hundred years ago, Smith's News started delivering the nation's newspapers. The way we consume news has changed, but the company has evolved too without losing its traditional values. Today, the market cap is 88 million pounds. John Bunting is the chief executive and Paul Baker, the chief financial officer. Now, gentlemen, this company is very dear to me because my career started off as a newspaper delivery girl at the age of 11, which I think was illegal then. I used to, <laughs> I used to carry my own weight in newspapers. And still to this day, my preferred way to consume news is with a hard copy, is with a newspaper. So others preferred, others preferred to read online. So how many newspapers does Smith News deliver? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, well, uh, if you think about it on a monthly basis, it would be uh, nearer 75 million uh, individual copies. And if you think about it on from a magazine perspective, because obviously we're the UK's largest distributor of magazines as well, that would be more like 24, 25 million. So combined about 100 million every single month. Um, so yes, you're absolutely right. Some people prefer to uh, access media now online, but thank goodness lots and lots and lots of consumers still enjoy the printed product. And uh, yeah, we, uh, we remain the number one in the UK with 56% market share. We deliver to 24,000 customers every day except Christmas Day. Okay, I think you're allowed one day off. That 56% share of the UK newspaper and magazine market, though, are you chasing the remainder? Um, so we are very fortunate. We have a five-year contract cycle um and so 95 percent of our revenues are now secured until at least 2024 so for the next couple of years it's not really around growing our market share it's really around um doing other things so paul will talk about it in terms of what we're doing around debt what we're doing around dividends and uh and i'll come on to talk a bit about growth going forward but so for the time being the focus isn't on market share growth it's really on uh, lots of other things which we think will create value for for our shareholders so for the investors who aren't familiar with Smith's News, because they haven't been delivering newspapers since the year dot, and they haven't been around for 200 years, if I was to own a corner shop and I got a, a phone call from Smith's News, what would you be offering me? Yeah, so it's a very good question. So we distribute to every type of retail channel that takes newspapers and magazines. So whether that's a small independent uh, news agent, as you've just mentioned, a large supermarket like Tesco's or Sainsbury's, WH Smith on the high street, you name it, we go there. So actually through lockdown, which was really interesting, we saw a change in behaviours. So people stopped commuting for all the reasons we understand and were buying locally, but it didn't really make much difference to us because we were distributing to the railway station and we were distributing to the local news agent or convenience store. So, um, so our offer is really straightforward. We will deliver we will pack and deliver a range of magazines and newspapers for you. We'll deliver it before 7 a.m. in the morning, every single morning. And, uh, and we'll do that, you know, with a smile on our face and being very proud to distribute the, the, the national press. And um, our delivery promise is 99.5% pack accuracy. We get to 95% of our outlets in advance of, uh, of their required delivery time. And if you think about it, you have to deliver the press early in the morning. 
no one wants to have their product delivered to them in the afternoon. Um, it's not like another product, you know, like, like another product category. So um, yeah, our subcontracted drivers, our warehouse operatives, all of our head office staff take great pride in the fact that we do distribute the country's national press. Now, Paul, I can see that you're still smiling. You were brought in to be chief financial officer quite uh, recently, but you've you've come into a company that's dealing with a mature market. So you must have your own ideas. How do you intend to diversify and continue help continue the, the company's evolution? I think the first thing is building on what's just happened in the last sort of couple of years. I think the, the business has refocused on its core, on that news and mags that, that John talks about, which is still a, a very big and resilient market. And I think about making sure from a finance perspective, we use that core market to um, pay down our debt, um, make sure we've got a strong dividend cover and making sure we've got the right banking arrangements to uh, reward our stakeholders. And you'll, you'll have seen um, just before Christmas, we announced a refinancing of the business. Um, so we were able to negotiate with our, um, our banking um, providers, a facility that increased our ability to distribute dividends from a cap that had previously been in place of 6 million per annum for 22 and 23. So we increased that to 10 million. So we're now able to distribute up to 10 million per annum from this fiscal year um, onwards going forward in a new financing arrangement that um, covers us now until 2025. Um, and we continue to pay down that debt. So this banking facility um, is strong and robust and gets us through the next publisher cycle of negotiations. Um, but, you know, at, at the fiscal year just finished, which was August 21, the net debt to EBITDA ratio for the business was 1.2 times. A, a year before, it was two times. So in a year, it had written down its debt to 1.2 times um, EBIT, net debt to EBITDA. And we see that continuing into the future and we will you know we've said we'll be below one times at the half year so i think it, you know it's a really good news story that the business has been able to generate the free cash flow and pay down that debt now a little bit of debt is useful it's good it helps your credit profile but what's the ultimate aim is to eradicate it almost completely now, so we have a stated uh, capital allocation policy um, we, you know, we've got a stated cover of one times, which we'd like to maintain. Um, our current banking facilities mean that we're restricted in how much we have the free cash flow we can pay out, and therefore we're likely to see our net debt to EBITDA reduce a bit below one times in the short term, whilst that cap remains in place. I mean, the good news is the business, you know, last year generated 24 million of free cash flow, which was you know, an increase of 120 percent on the 2020 number. So, you know, a really strong free cash flow of which we're able to distribute 10 million. So you can see from that, that the, you know, the, the dynamics of the business will mean that that net debt to EBITDA in the short term with some restrictions will come below one, but our stated aim is to maintain a one times ratio in the, in the longer term. So 120% increase is, is incredible. How did you manage to achieve that? I think the business did it and a number of things. Clearly it was lapping COVID. So it had the impact of, of the, uh, the, the 2020 lockdown. The first lockdown um, impacted the business with the, the shutting of you know, WH Smith's um, travel and some of the retail outlets. I think since that first lockdown, the business has been much more robust and hasn't really seen the impact of, of COVID as, as John rightly 
uh, sort of articulates that it was just a switch between channels. But that first lockdown in 2020 did impact the business. Um, so, so, so that was one of the reasons. And, and CapEx was higher in that 2020 year as well, um, with the Tufnell's business still being part, part of the group. Um, so since then, the Tufnell's divestment and the refocusing onto the core news and mags business have meant that the, the cash flow generation from that core business, which has always been strong, has now just been highlighted. John, talk me through the family tree, because Paul just mentioned Tufnell's then. Mm. Yeah, so uh, as you mentioned, we, we originally started as part of uh, WH Smith's 200 and odd years ago. In fact, we were the founding business of WH Smith, the name we all know now on the high street and, and, and travel. Um, but in 2006, we demerged and became our own separate PLC. Um, and then we had a phase where we acquired and sold a number of businesses. Some went really well, some less so. Um, but we then, uh, over the last two to three years, have simplified the business right back, cleaned up the balance sheet, we uh, disposed of Tufnels, and we're now in a really uh, firm place. So as Paul said, our debt's coming down nicely. You can see the sort of level of free cash we're, we're throwing off, which means that we can do one of two things. We can either, or three things, continue to pay down the debt, continue to reward our shareholders, or if we find things that we think will be additive in the way we think about the business going forward and can provide new growth for the business, we have the free cash that will enable us to do that as well. So we find ourselves in a, in a, in a strong position and I think we've worked hard over the last two to three years to rebuild trust in the, in the business and, uh, and explain a bit more about our markets because it's really interesting the point you made right at the start of the interview about some people like print, some people like digital. And I think if you asked our publisher clients probably five or six years ago, they would have said, well, the future is clearly digital. You know, and what we'll end up doing is we'll end up substituting print uh, readers for digital readers and that's how this business will their business will evolve of course what they now know is that that's not quite how it's likely to um, evolve in fact what they know is a lot of their readers like to access product um, from a print perspective and, you, and you're one of them thank goodness um, and some like to do it from a digital but they're not necessarily discrete people some want to do it differently at different times so maybe they want to access an article when they're on the train going to work on their ipad but on a Sunday morning, they want to spread the paper out and read it over breakfast or whatever else they want to do. So they now really talk about, if you talk to a publisher now, they very much talk about a blended model where consumers have the ability to access content either digitally or print um, with them. And, uh, and rather than uh, digital being a substitute for print, it's now complementary. So I think that's the, I think from my perspective, that's the really interesting thing is that no longer is anybody talking about um, print beer, print dying. They're talking about print being in structural decline, but it is quite a slow decline, circa five percentage points um, per annum. And increasingly publishers are talking about how do we provide more value, more content to that very loyal readership. And in terms of the value that you're giving to your customers, let's talk about mobilization and digitization because you've realized that your business, like news, is a 24-hour operation and you've developed an app called Snap. Yeah, this is, uh, this is a very simple app that enables our retail customers to transact with us at a time of their choosing. So if they want to call us, they can, and we've got absolutely fabulous uh, Call, uh, call stats in terms of our ability to pick the phone up quickly and answer and resolve queries and all that kind of good stuff. 
but we recognize that's not what everybody wants to do. Some people now want to use the app and, um, and do it in the early hours of the morning or you know whenever they want to do it, it's up to them. So that's what they do. So 65% of our customers use the app, um, not necessarily every day, but, it, but certainly most weeks. Um, but we still have a good chunk of customers who like to pick the phone up and talk to us, and that's absolutely fine too. So Paul, part of your job is um, sort of budgets for personnel. You've got a little bit of an HR role um, as well. So one of the first things I see when I visit your website is self-employed driver and van opportunities. Now I could read this two ways, which is you're expanding or that there is a driver shortage and you're a little bit concerned. So how should I interpret that? Well, I think the good news is we shouldn't be overly worried. So I think, as John articulated, our service levels are still very robust and strong. But like all businesses, um, especially late October, September, October last year, we felt the pain of, of driver shortages in the UK. Um, and, you know, it wasn't just driver shortages in the contractor space. It was also warehouse operatives, especially through the, the peak of you know Black Friday and the Christmas period, where um, a lot of people, after two years of unfortunately having to work from home, um, you know, engaged in that shopping online and got more people to deliver to them in, at their home rather than shop, shopping um, outside of their home. And that put a pressure on the on the, on the van drivers in the UK. We, we saw that. And what happened was our vacancies, which would normally be at a much lower level, just increased a bit, which put pressure on uh, what we do to, to cope with vacancies in the short term. We use internal um, resources and we use agency drivers to try and manage that shortage. That puts a little bit of cost into it, but also a bit more pressure. So, so that's why you see us advertising right now, um, particularly just in January, where you know the pressure of Black Friday and Christmas has now now gone away. Some of the people that had gone in, into that seasonal delivery are now back in the market, and we're reaching out to say we do have some vacancies, and we'd like you to consider Smith's Hughes to be a place that you know bring your van and, and engage with us um, and to deliver our papers on, on a nightly basis. So. We're hoping to see, and we've seen some really good traction. Um, some of our advertising has taken taken shape recently. Um, we see those vacancies come down. Yeah, I think I mean, that's a really good summary. I mean, the only thing I would add to that, Sarah, is a bit like I mentioned at the start uh, of this conversation, really, but many other uh, distribution businesses in November and December were under the same pressure, but they had the ability to say, well, maybe we'll deliver a 48-hour customer promise or we'll deliver in the afternoon. Um, we don't have that option. So um, it's really important that we do have as full a complement of subcontractor drivers as, as we need to make sure we continue to provide that service offer for our, for our customers. And, and that's why we're always recruiting either to actively fill the vacancies we've got or to build a pipeline of people that we know we can turn to when the next um, vacancy comes around. And really good people alleviate pressure. There's been another um, excellent uh, recruitment in the form of Lucy Robertson. She's been appointed as the company's new operations director. Now she worked with um, Yodel. Um, what will she bring? Um, yeah, I'm delighted that we've uh, recruited Lucy. Um, uh, the vacancy com comes around because of our previous operations director, Phil Adams. Uh, has retired after 43 years service, can you believe? So not all as operations director, only three years as the operations director, um, but Phil has thoroughly earned his, uh, his um, time in retirement now. So we've had a very extensive search of the market looking for particular characteristics. 
I have to say, Lucy uh, was an outstanding, outstanding candidate from the outset. And we had some very good conversations very quickly, uh, Lucy and I, and so I'm delighted we've got her on board. She will undoubtedly bring a fresh perspective, um, that, that I'm clear on. Um, she's got lots of experience, as you say, in various businesses, McKesson's, um, Yodel, Amazon. Um, so she'll bring, that, she'll bring that perspective with her. She'll bring, no doubt, some insights as to how other people are uh, undertaking tasks that we're challenged with in the news and magazine sector. I'm hoping she's got a little black book of very talented people that she wants to bring with her at some point too, um, because we're all we're always looking to ensure we've got a robust succession plan in the business. So I think that fresh perspective, hopefully some good contacts around uh, uh, to, to strengthen our succession, and um, and really importantly for me as the leader of the business is the right value set. Our business is a very values driven business, and. Uh, and as an executive team, we're very um, collegiate in the way we um, discuss things, uh, very collaborative in the way we, we, we run the business. And I think she'll fit in just perfectly with that. So she's very clear about what she wants to deliver, but she knows we deliver through our colleagues and by working in partnership with each other and our supply chain partners. And uh, I think that's exactly her style too. So you're value driven. You haven't lost sight of the traditional values on which the company was founded all those centuries ago 2021 was a big year for the company you refinanced and i i got kind of get the feeling that you were deconstructing and now you are reconstructing so how is 2022 going to pan out because so much happened last year is are you bedding down this year you know we've had a really busy two and a bit years in truth and uh, i'm really pleased with the progress we're we're making so far, because our financial year starts on September the 1st, as you know, um, as we updated at the AGM, we're uh, exactly where we thought we would be from a trading perspective, which is good. Um, we're making good progress in a number of other areas that we think are important for the future profitability of the business. So actually, rather than it bedding down, I think we're in a period where we're really starting to put our foot down on the accelerator and uh, it feels a really exciting place to be. So Paul, you are one of the two money men, the other one is sat next to you. What is your priority for the year? Uh, you, know, you know, I think as John alluded to, we've got a number of things that we need to do. We've got to deliver our targets. I think the one thing the business has um, done really well, which I think our stakeholders and shareholders look, look to the business now to do is to deliver on its promises. Mm -hmm. We continue to do that. Uh, and, you know, last year's results were exceptional results. You know, um, Tony, my predecessor, did a great job and called up the number last year at the half year. And we just beat that last year as well. So I think delivering on promises um, is number one of my role to make sure we do that effectively and efficiently. And then, you know, being a business partner with John and the executive team to make sure when we're looking at those choices for the future, we choose the right things. We're very mindful of, of, of things that have gone in, in the past and we're very thoughtful about things, making sure we do things organically and, and, and slowly to make sure we can leverage value um, without creating any shocks in the core of news and mags and the core of that free cash flow we talked about. Ah, but some shocks are good where the news is concerned, gentlemen. Paul Baker, Chief Financial Officer, John Bunting, Chief Executive of Smith's News. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thank you, Thank Sarah. You. Thank you very much.